Welcome to the State of Everything Extra Tim. I'm Paul Rodriguez of thinktrading.com, joined by the fund manager Tim Price of pricevaluepartners.com. Hi, Paul. Hi, Tim. How's it going? Grand. It's going grand. We got some great questions from people on Twitter. It's absolutely excellent. Really looking forward to getting to those. But before we start, you put a, I've just seen on Twitter this morning, you've put something up about Draghi. Not read the story. What's going on? It looks like he's uh, shooing for the next uh, Prime Minister of Italy. Aha, right, okay. And how do you th you think he might be turning against the euro or, or what? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think, think he's, I mean, he's Mr. Establishment, he's Mr. Euro. But, well, he uh, is. But... I, I, the tweet was from, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Evans Pritchard of the um, Oh, Ambrose, Ambrose. Ambrose, Ambrose, yes, Evans yes. Pritchard of the Telegraph. Uh -huh. And uh, he was just saying that it's, it would be quite ironic if, if, if Draghi does end up in pole position because this is someone that's basically thrown all the resources of the ECB behind keeping the euro together and he may yet have to uh, be the person that um, takes Italy out of the eurozone. Yes, interesting, interesting to be continued. So I mean, I'm, we, I'm struck by the, the most recent piece of research from Russell Napier, who is one of my favorite macro but possibly my only favorite macro. We've got to have him back on, haven't we, Tim? We have to get him back on. Um, strategist is that the the I mean government and corporate debt in Germany to GDP is I don't know it's 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 200 100 between 100 and 200% something is a big figure but corporate and government debt to GDP in France is is going to be 400% by the end of this year <laughs> so basically his 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 suggestion is that Germany might have to bail out France Oh my let alone what's going to happen with Italy. So it's like yeah, there are so many there are so many gigantic plates wobbling on this on this plate on this collection of plates wobbling and being spun. Who's going to who's going to keep you can't keep them all in the air? Who's going to bail bail out Germany then if that happens? Well, this is it. This is the, I mean, this was always the problem in the two thousand and eight crisis that you know you had. Well, effectively, the two thousand and eight financial, global financial crisis was the corporate sector shoving all its debts onto the sovereigns. But now we're talking about sovereigns basically being unable to to, to to cope with the debt load that's amassed. We need a, some kind of supra supra galaxian entity that we can shove it up to at a cosmic level. So we need a, a friendly reverse takeover from somewhere Pluto or Venus or something. <laughs> or another star system, solar system altogether. Is there no doubt that this was always being just kick down the road and up another level and and yeah like you say at some point it's it's all gotta it's well, all... one thing my colleague killian Connolly reminds me because killian studied this at the lse for his sins and he, he points out that basically monetary systems are never permanent there is always a new one coming around the corner so for the last 50 years i guess we've lived with uh, sort of the uh, the fiat money standard so ever since the nixon gold shock of 71 we've had currencies untethered to anything Hard, no, to any hard, any hard assets. In other words, they, they took the dollar off gold and in the process took all currencies off any tethering against each other at all. So simply currency intervention by central banks would do the trick if you wanted to maintain some kind of uh, fix or anchor. Um, but even now, it seems that uh, with 50 years of increasing debt adventuring, let's call it, the systems run out of road. So the, I remember before even before coronavirus, so back in 2019, the end of 2019, I was increasingly concerned about the 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 imminence of something approximating to uh, not just QE because we obviously had plenty of that, but um, UBI, universal basic income, and um, 
what's the word MMT modern monetary theory we've, we've the, the coronavirus crisis more specifically the government response to the coronavirus alleged pandemic has basically accelerated as five ten years into the future so we're there already I mean the furlough is basically the the early stage of uh, universal basic income and uh, in other words prepare for a new monetary system a, gr- a, government, a government cryptocurrency perhaps Possibly. I mean, that's the other thing that I mean, one of the one of the regular questions we get from clients and from interested parties on you know, social media uh, and obviously some of our listeners is, is the, you know, the state of play in relation to crypto. And I like to think I've been consistent in, in, in sort of having cake and eating it in saying that I support the idea of it um, as a libertarian. For example, I believe you should have multiple currencies, currency choices. But I don't, again, with one eye on, on sort of Killian's take on this, it's not land, labor, or capital, arguably. So if it isn't that, it's just it's just a, a, another form of currency, but it's one that doesn't even have any backing in the same way that at least gold is a physical finite asset. So yeah. so I, I'm just kind of, kind of glass half full, sort of 50-50 on, on, on the, the essence of crypto, particularly Bitcoin, to the extent that, yes, I can see the merit of it and having a stateless currency is, is fundamentally attractive. But yeah. you're, what you're doing is replacing one set of problems with another new set of digital problems, which is, can you get hacked easily? Answer yes. Can the platforms get hacked easily? Answer yes, I think. I mean, I, I'm not a software coder, but you know, I'd, need, I'd need to be to be able to buy crypto with any degree of you know, confidence or certainty. And even if you can resolve all of those technical issues, it's also as, as ungreen as you can get because it's extremely environmentally costly to, to harvest the stuff, to, you know, to, to create the stuff. Um, and even if you can deal with that, the, the sad reality is that governments basically are always going to be hostile. So this is this brings us back to the perennial question, which is, you know, in a fight between governments and markets, who wins? And I think in the in the fullness of time, I have to believe that the markets win. But as we've seen, say, for the last 10 years plus, particularly in relation to the equity market, you know, government governments can basically keep stuff buoyant for quite some time. So, you know. Markets can remain irrational longer than we can remain solvent, etc. Yeah, just on the point of the uh, prospects of, of it being uh, cryptocurrency being hacked. I mean, it, that's never happened. What has happened is but the, the platforms the, have been the platforms have been hacked. Yes, yeah. exactly. But but the actual attempts to 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 hack the actual cryptocurrencies haven't so far worked. That may change potentially with the introduction of quantum computing. But for now, that that's um, they, they they seem as though they're, they're relatively safe in that regard. But yep. there are definitely risks, things like if you forget your password, you can't get in. There's all sorts of stories of, you know, people being on their last couple of password attempts before uh, their, their wallets are, uh, are, or are disengaged or whatever it might be. And um, there's plenty of money in there. Also, if you send a payment, you can't reverse it and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but still, but I, do think, I do think crypto is a benign rather than a malign trend. It's just I yeah. haven't yet worked out a way of sort of reconciling that. Basically, it, the problem for us is that it's 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 an uninvestable asset if it's an asset at all. It's 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 a, a another currency, but one that for, you know for the uninitiated among us, which clearly includes me, has as many problems as it as it as it provides answers. On a related note, though, I must just give a a, a shout out to our friend Dominic Frisby. Um, because he's, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a, yes. there's a superb video that he, he put out a few days ago. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. We can obviously put a link in the show notes. Uh, why big tech, not government, is now our ruler. Um, 
which is it's about 18 minutes long so it's not not too long but it's a, it's absolutely superb but it, it it will leave you asking all sorts of questions uh, and will leave you quite probably skeptical not to say outright concerned about the intrusion of, of basically the, the big tech players into our into our space having read sapiens it does actually bring forward the idea of how much is actually an imagination for for human beings like companies are imagined money well, is imagined absolutely i mean and, pretty much everything about the entire financial investment world is imaginary so I th- i'm trying to think, I think it's i'm trying to think of his name i've forgotten his name now but it was, someone pointed out that it's you know our, our idea of money is the abstraction of an abstraction yeah so paper money is itself an abstraction of what used to be a physical asset i.e gold or silver and now we don't even have that because it, for most people for most of the time for 97% of their assets their net worth, their capital, whatever you want to call it. It's not even physical. It's just a, a book, an electronic book entry on a screen. So we've come so far away from you know, what, what money used to be about. Uh, and there are reasons for that. But um, one of them, I'm, I'm sure, is that you know, if, if you're not actually handing over physical cash and you're just basically just wafting a card or something over a, a, a reader, you're likely to spend more. So it's in, 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 if you're in industry, if you're in... Um, you know, if you're just in, in business, it is in your interest to have people paying for your products or services electronically because uh, they will spend more in the process. That's also if, why casinos have chips. Because, exactly. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's a symbol rather than the thing itself. So I was doing a search for uh, Yuval Harari because I was really interested in what he had to say up to date. And I came across a podcast with him and, believe it or not, Bill Gates. He's, I know he's spoken at the World Economic Forum. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. But I just wondered if you knew that Bill Gates has started a podcast with a co-host. I wanted you to see if you could guess who the co-host is. Uh, I would guess it's Klaus Schwab. <laughs> nope. Uh, no, no I give in. I give in. Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones and, oh, Bill, and Bill Gates. Are... That makes sense now. Because <laughs> I think when I had someone put the... The basically the the World Economic Forum follows list onto an Excel spreadsheet. I think Rashida Jones came towards the top of the list, so that really? explains that. Oh yeah. wow, that's so strange. Okay, I mean, because like, which is a shame because a shame. she's someone I've always enjoyed, but she's clearly sold out to the dark side of the force. Well, she, she she's a great actress, but you know, if you you've got Har- Yuval Harari on one side, you've got Bill Gates on the other, and you've got Rashida Jones, and it's like, couldn't you? I mean, how about our Hannah Fry? She's like a you know seems like a better choice but anyway um that was um that surprised me so, i think the first thing i saw rashida jones in was uh, the um the social network oh yeah yeah a sort of legal assistant She's great attending actress on, attending on uh, mark zuckerberg uh, and of course since then i've got to know her and appreciate her finer qualities i've never heard them called that before uh on uh, parks and rec parks and recreation which yes. is superb yes really good so gamestop what's your opinion on all that malarkey yeah it's funny this one I, there's a there's a very good uh, do you follow a guy called jp sears i'm i'm not big on twitter to be honest um, uh, it's no it's, sorry when i say follow i mean it's like do you know jp sears no. so there's a guy jp sears who's an american i think he's american if not canadian but he's a comedian and you know activist and he has a thing called awaken with jp uh on youtube that's got 1.7 million subscribers but if you if you go onto YouTube, the first thing you'll see just under his feed is the truth about GameStop, according to Wall Street. Now he he turns most things into quite amusing sketches. So <laughs> you know that's that's the main purpose of this. And I mean, basically, this was put up a day ago. It's already had half a million views. So he's got quite a following. 
the the his narrative of that GameStop is is I would say is fairly binary. It's quite conventional. What I think is happening is that, and I've just written about it for my my weekly piece that'll be oh. out on on Monday, is that the conventional narrative is that the whole GameStop short squeeze mania is basically about the little man, the retail investor giving it to basically privileged Wall Street and hedge fund interests. I think now the reality is altogether more nuanced than that in that the alleged army of retail traders as represented by the likes of Robin Hood et al. I think actually they have plenty of false flag infiltrators from Wall Street itself. So in other words, I think the battle lines are now not not drawn clearly at all. It's basically complete chaos. So just because... You know, given securities rise or fall on the basis of you know alleged short interest and short squeezes, I suspect the truth is now a lot a lot muddier and and sort of darker than that. So I don't really know what to make of it. Except I would suggest that this kind of I mean some of the uh, there's a, there's a fantastic piece by it's John Hussman. Let's see if I can find the um the link. It's called Detached Parabolas. And open trap doors, and he's just put it up on. You can find it. again. We put a link on, on it to the show notes. But it's it's chock full of you know basically useful um, quotes and charts of previous black you know basically horror stories from the financial markets, including you know, 1929. There is a chart in particular, something called the Goldman Sachs Non-Profitable Technology Index, and it is talk about a hockey stick. Um, so basically, I and, and there are many charts on this little piece it's for, for free online. You can just find it on the web. My takeaway from this stuff is that this kind of activity around what started with GameStop and then just went over to the silver market um, is in is seems to be indicative of kind of end of cycle, just mania and hysteria. That maybe what's happened is in part this has been driven by a lot of bored day traders who have suddenly got some government furlough money and determined to blow it on something. And they're not even that necessarily, they don't even care if they necessarily make money or not because they're playing with the house's money if it's government money. So that I just I just wonder whether this is like the, these guys who are triggering short squeezes in um, over, over-shorted stocks are the, are the 2021 equivalent of 1929 shoeshine boy. Right, right. So it's a... It's a top of the market indicator basically phenomenon yes i think yes. i really think so. i mean yeah. and again you can see, I, I have made this point about numerous things that have happened over the last 10 years so you know the top of the market has been a long time coming you know we've everyone's been climbing this wall of worry but specifically in relation to the u.s technology sector this is now you know a bug in search of a windshield right so um on to the questions from twitter and jonathan morrow asks we don't hear much about your healthcare regimes, exercise and there diet. There is a very good reason for this, Jonathan. <laughs> I was going to say, is anybody really interested in, in our exercise doubt, regimes? I doubt it. I cardiologist doubt it. Is, but it, if anybody else is interested, I, wouldn't, I don't mind posting what I do um, in terms of exercise and what the goals are, but, I, I, but I'm not sure that we'd have a big market for that. So um, no, 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 let's in the spirit In the spirit in which the, the question was, was asked, um, no, I mean, my, my, my basic exercise regime is um, several pints of, of heavy liquid a day, 
when absolutely necessary, as Winston Churchill's own doctor uh, prescribed. But in addition to sort of liquid refreshment, no, basically in my regime, in as much as I have one is, you know, I, I try to do several long walks um, a week. So I'm in that the happy position of being basically between Primrose Hill and Regent's Park on the one side and Hampstead Heath on the other. Um, and although I'm based in Hampstead, our offices are actually in Hatton Garden. So probably three days a week now, I like to sort of walk to work and ideally back if it's not sort of pouring with rain. So I, basically for me, it's walking, um, hopefully at a, a reasonable clip. But I think walking is, uh, it probably needs a bit of cardio. So you probably need to go up a few ascents of Primrose Hill en route to get the benefit. It's not flat, but is it? It's not flat. So it is a bit of a, it is a bit of a climb, but it's not a very long lasting climb. Um, but I'm led to believe by people who know about such matters that, that long distance or just l- long walks is a lot better for you than uh, jogging because jogging really knackers your joints. Yes. So I think we're going to see, because I mean, you see all these sweaty mouth breathers when you're trying to just walk normally through the, through the park or over the, just, just down the paths of London and all these, these sweaty mouth breathing joggers. Firstly, they're spraying COVID-19 like it's going out of fashion. Uh, and secondly, they, they are going to be basically NHS cases or private healthcare cases in five, 10, 15 years because they're going to need to get their knees and their ankles repaired. So I think you're better off doing walking personally, although it's obviously at a, at a, a lower pace. And failing that, I'm again told that swimming is the best, but uh, I, yes. I'm not a member of the gym, so I couldn't give a fuck about that. Yeah, um, you don't have breakfast though, you, but do you, no, I, do you yeah, consciously I, fast? It's not conscious. It's that no. when I get up in the morning, I'm just not hungry. So it, it seems to be, it seems silly to eat when you're not hungry. I'd much rather eat when I'm peckish. So I, yeah. I tend to make lunch the first meal of the day, which is probably again against the conventional guidance. But you read so much nonsense in the press about about health and regimes that every day cancels out the previous day's advice and adds some more bad advice. So the the natural answer, which I think most people have come to in the context of the media over the last year, is the best cure for coronavirus is throw your TV set out the fucking window. Yes. Um, as Naval says, all opinions sum to zero. So um, that that applies in so many fields. So, and Marcus Aurelius said that everything you see is a you know is is a perspective, not the truth. Everything you hear is an opinion, not a fact. Which is pretty much what we put at the end of every podcast. Um, so at go at sorry at books go says, what sort of timescale does Tim estimate for inflation to take off in a notable way? I think it's already here. I was looking at the FT this morning and they're already reporting that inflation in, Euro- in the Eurozone has uh, spiked. Uh, it's, it's like double the rate, I think, for December that the economists were forecasting. Funny for economists to really, you know, fuck up a forecast, isn't it? That hardly ever happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. So basically, I think it's already it's already live. It's already stalking the land like a giant stalky thing. Yeah. Um, now, it's not taken off yet. But of course, the other thing about inflation is that, um, you know, the government under underreports it anyway. So my favorite my favorite inflation gag is from something called long or short capital. I don't know if that site's being updated or not, but it's very funny if it is. And they came up years ago with a measure known as the, you know, the U S inflation X inflation measure. So if you take out U S inflation and then take away the inflation rate, <laughs> it's, it's, it's remarkably stable. It's just a flat line. Brilliant. Um, millionaire mentor, David Harrison at David Harrison on Twitter says, is the BBC working in our best interests or no. its own best interests based yes. on its various political campaigns? Should we be compelled by law to pay for the BBC's political campaigns if we don't agree with them? Well, I think you know what... I think Millionaire Mentor probably knows which way I was going to vote on this one as well. Um, 
uh, here's a big prediction. I don't think the BBC is ultimately going to survive this crisis. Really? I think in, yeah, I think in the fullness of time, under a new government, uh, namely not a conservative one, because I think both the Conservative and Labour go. Uh, here's another big prediction. I think both the Conservative Party and the Labour Party will be electorally extinct within the next 12 months. Is that so is if, that an actual prediction, or would you just wish it that? is? It is a well, it's wishful thinking clearly, but I think it, I think in the fullness of time, it also stands to come to pass, because I think when the truth is finally allowed to emerge, if it can ever emerge, about this supposed pandemic, um, then I think people are going to ask a lot of questions. And the idea that it was it made any sense to quarantine the healthy and destroy the economy uh, to defeat a virus that's basically a bad flu, uh, I, think, I think a lot of awkward questions are going to be asked. And there's a reason why pretty much every tweet I now put out has the hashtag Nuremberg2 TikTok attached to it. Right. Okay. Um, well, that's it for this week. Who who do you think we're going to have on? We had Dave Collum on the main podcast, which was and Dave. Dave is just a, a legend. Oh, it was superb. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, you best best go back and uh, and uh, pick it up. Um, who we're going to have on next? Do you think? I'm thinking it's going to be. I'm hoping it's going to be Grant Williams. Ah, oh, fantastic. fantastic! And after that, perhaps Mark Brooks. Mark GB. Oh yes, yes. Darth Vader's cock. Darth Vader's cock is going to make an is going to make a triumphant return. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Tim, and we'll thanks, catch you Paul. next time. Cheers. See you soon. Bye bye. Bye. If you have any questions you want to ask Tim, just drop us a line at SOTMPC. That's SOTMPC on Twitter or at Tim F Price on Twitter and we'll answer it on the show. Thank you very much. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research or contact a professional advisor.